Hello, and welcome to the From My Cup podcast. Here we dive into the gracious overflow of God's wisdom within the Word. So from God's cup to ours and from our cup to yours, we welcome you to this conversation between friends. Alrighty. So worship. We weren't, um, this didn't end up being like one of the subjects really, we were really hyper and like on fire to talk about right away. It just kind of happened, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you ended up stumbling on a good scripture for it. And it was like, well, good enough indication for me. (laughs) Let's go with worship. Yep. Yeah, because we just have like this ongoing list of topics that we want to talk about. So, yeah. And this one is just like generally or genuinely interesting in -hmm. in general. And um, it's really cool. Um, I think that that's also a missing art in a lot of Christians' lives. It was missing in mine. But yeah. we we read we just read through the Bible sometimes, and I think it's a really healthy and needed practice to meditate on the scripture mm-hmm. and to go through scripture and look for themes like worship, like mm-hmm. even though I didn't do that great of a job this time around <laughs> on this one, but yeah. to do that to to really go through scripture looking for one common thread and yeah, yeah. through all the scripture and I think um God's looking for people to do that anyway too so yeah that's something I haven't done a lot of in my life until starting this podcast so that's been a really interesting thing to do with me because I've always just um just read it as it's written you know and tried to build up that knowledge inside of myself which I think is important to do I think that's the baseline mm-hmm. but I, I think it's kind of about time that like you said picking picking a certain concept and figuring out what the scriptures say about it figure out what god says about it through his word and that's been it's been really fun and really interesting to mm-hmm. pursue that i don't i don't think i put it in an episode but i had said that to you that some of the best advice i ever got was from grandma mm-hmm. and she was saying that I think she was saying it in the context of if you come across a scripture that really stumps you in a way Mm -hmm. to just stop and write it down and pray and meditate on it and seek the Lord on it Mm -hmm. for like one or two weeks and then maybe move on and always to read before and after and get a context and yeah and I think just doing that with any scripture is a really good idea Mm mm-hmm yeah, I have a real pet peeve with trying to isolate scriptures so much. Yeah. I think um, something that I think we've both tried to do with with the scriptures that we've gotten is try and get more context for it. I think a lot of people, they pick like one scripture and then right, they try yeah. to just go off of that one scripture. It's like, no, you really, really have to get the context for it. So one thing I really liked... Because I, I talk about this guy all the time. I, I listen to Mike Winger all the time on YouTube. And I strongly recommend him for especially any new believer. Because he's just, even if you don't agree with everything he says, he, his heart is so nice and so refreshing to me. Mm. But he had said that what he sees a lot and what he warns against is when pastors take scriptures out of context and they stretch 
these parables to fit certain situations and it completely hinders everybody else in the church from reading scripture Mm. because they they relate that scripture so much to this idea they've stretched it to fit that they can no longer see it in the proper context that it's meant and that's so true like there were so many different things that came to me afterward where I was just like wow that I was completely unable to read the scripture properly because Mm -hmm. there were so many conflicting ideas in one passage but when you read it all as one fluent passage it's so Mm-hmm. God's so good. I don't know. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think that's a really important concept. I think that's where um I think that's where so many Christians are. I think one thing that I always try to do and I've I've tried to do since very young is to really throw away any concepts and especially tradition. If you just mm-hmm. plain enjoy tradition as tradition, great, wonderful. I think it's a good thing. I think a lot of people really benefit from it. But don't ever call tradition gospel and I think a lot of people do that and I think when you really just just try to define those things for yourself and then kind of push them out of your brain Mm. and try and read the scripture at face value you know exactly what it says and really try to try to read it like for the first time you know and obviously that's difficult Mm. to do Mm. but I think that's a really important practice that I've tried to do a lot Mm doesn't help that our education system is horrible. (laughs) I thought about that a lot of times too. Like I should have been taught better about how to critically analyze text Mm. and how to read things in a certain way or, or to break writings down to look at them more smart, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. And after learning a little bit how to do that, it's just been world-shakingly awesome (laughs) yeah i'm glad glad to hear that you know one thing one thing towards that end that has been such a blessing to me Mm -hmm. is reading uh not reading but listening to audio bible yeah i've really been listening Mm -hmm. to a lot of audio bible and it's like i've gone through times where you know the kitchen was a disaster and i deep cleaned the kitchen and i listened to the entire book of revelation as one chunk and it's like that is so Mm -hmm. beneficial because it's very hard like let's just be real <laughs> in today's yeah. society with all the technology it's very hard to sit down and read for the the length of time that you really need to to get a lot of context for the bible like one thing i feel like i wish i could warn more people about is how much of the contents of the bible god did not approve of like i think it's really easy to be like wait that's in the bible and it's like yeah and god was <laughs> mad about it yeah <laughs> you know and it's yeah. like you there's a lot of context needed to understand a lot of the scriptures and audio bible has really helped me with that um it's just faster too i i remember Mm -hmm. listening to it one time i'm like wait we're already done (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's already got through it so if you have like a genuinely hard time like you sit down and you're in in your head you're reading it or you're trying to read it out loud and you just can't comprehend Mm -hmm. find an audio bible and just listen to it because i've personally have been able to comprehend like the actual like stories and events mm-hmm. of things that have happened like I've been listening to acts there's just like the meat in the middle of acts that I feel like is completely <laughs> untouched for me and I've been listening to mm-hmm. it and I'm like this is amazing yeah <laughs> like yeah it no it's helps great. so I think, much <laughs> I think even 
I, I think that's just such a such an important um, thing for humans to be able to hear it said out loud by another human. I think in a like a cognitive mm-hmm. sort of way, it's really good for us. And I think that that's why um, communion and the assembly gathering with your fellow Christians was so emphasized because we need mm-hmm. that. We need to hear it from other people, which just kind of harks back to our mm-hmm. our um, communion podcast. But even for like I remember homeschooling and we would do math and we would have such a hard time understanding it because as being homeschooled, you do a lot of it by yourself. Mm-hmm. So with math, you would read the math, which I mean you do in public school as well. But there's just there's a little bit more independence and in having to do things yourself when you're homeschooled. But a lot of the time with math, you you know, you'd be like reading the explanation, reading the math problem. And be like, I do not understand this, you know, and we need help. And I've experienced this in college as well with my college professors. Um, but I remember I remember a certain time in my life where it was a lot. And my mom would come over and she would just read it out loud. And she would change like the names to names that were familiar. Like a lot of the time she would change out. Um, like if you have a, a word math problem question. And she would change the names of the, you know, the quote unquote characters in the in the problem to like family members. And it was like instant. Oh, OK. Now I understand what mm-hmm. you're asking me. That's and cool. just that. Yeah. Just that simple change. Um, just I think for our cognitive abilities, I think we just need that. And I felt that a lot with audio Bible. Yeah. God bless you. I could never do that. I uh, when it comes to math. I'm. <laughs> I would never have ever, ever, ever got it if I hadn't had excellent teachers who could show me why and how and mm-hmm. it was really the well, I never the how that really clicked yeah. for me. I mean, I never understood math until I went to college and I had Jared Harvey as a professor. So <laughs> yeah. shout out to Jared Harvey because he was always emphasized the why he always brought it to a real world situation and that was the only time in my life i ever understood math miss bristol freshman so, year high shout school. out to him for that <laughs> changed my life forever <laughs> i went from being in special classes for math to being on uh, at the top of my class just because she unlocked my brain and just like hey no like yeah. showed me how things worked and my brain mm-hmm. loves e- eats that kind of stuff up it's like when i see it and when i hear it I get it and mm-hmm. you don't have to tell me twice usually but usually yeah but- if yeah but if it's like written out instructions you're like this is absolutely yeah, gibberish like, just show me how to like, do it tell me how nope. to do it I will remember it till the uh, day yes, I exactly. die but if you give me a written out explanation I have no That's idea like crocheting. <laughs> I hate that like I have to look at the video oh, of the lady yeah. doing it so yeah and then yeah. Uh, you're like reading how to do it, and I'm like no <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah. Find yourself a teacher. God bless our teachers who are blessed with that in this. Yes, amen. <laughs> we thank Amen. Yeah. You you know when you find a good teacher, oh, yeah. for sure. We love that heart. I love that kind of heart in people. Mm-hmm. Our grandmother, she's a teacher. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. But um I guess going into worship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scripture that Back to the back to the topic. <laughs> the that I ran into um, that kind of sparked it was uh, John four twenty one through twenty four. 
And this is where he's speaking to the woman at the well. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you know. Excuse me. <laughs> you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in truth, uh, spirit and truth. That is a packed scripture. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Um, and that's, we were talking about doing like Bible studies. This is the other thing that is so emphasized, which is like completely the other opposite end, is sitting down with one scripture and really dissecting it and looking at the mm-hmm. patterns that are there and the, and the and the hints and the subtleties and and really just yeah. seeking the spirit in those because there's so much more packed in scripture than I think we realize sometimes. Yeah. You, yeah, you never you never should you're never past reading the Bible. <laughs> never. I never ever. Never. There's always something new to glean. It's incredible. Like I can vouch for that been reading this book steady for many years and every time i'm like how do i feel like i've never read that before (laughs) every time it's insane yeah there's nothing in this world like it there's no other book with the depth i think one of the biggest things that comes out in this verse i guess that hit me first was um for the father is seeking such people to worship him Mm. I'm like that's so interesting, you know. We think, we think of, because uh, there's really like multiple sides to our overarching story as God's people and stuff. And we we often sell Christianity on the on the self front of this is why. Um, this is why you should follow God. I, I personally, the thing that saved me from myself and my sin was doing it for God. For the mm-hmm. idea of doing it for God and worshiping God because he's good and he's the creator. <laughs> and because... Yeah, it's always, it's always moved me so much how God desires our company. You know, like that's so... Just like in the very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning of Genesis, like the whole thing is just... God wanted our company. Hmm. That's why he created us. That's why he calls us. That's why he went through all of this insanity to save ourselves from our sin, went through everything he went through just because he he desired us. He was seeking out such people. And I think that's that's crazy. That's the heart I want though. A lot of the times yeah. it's super it is selfish, but and it is like mm-hmm. thinking of it within the realms of m- myself. But the heart that mm-hmm. I truly want is just to do it for Jesus and to do it for God. Yeah. I don't want to do it any other way, really. <laughs> yeah, no, me either. Yeah, I think one of my biggest desires in life is to ever get to the point that I can be called a friend of God. You know, like mm-hmm. when when God called people, he called Abraham a friend mm-hmm. of God. Yeah called moses a friend of god like that's to have god call you that that's pretty crazy 
Uh, I heard one pastor say that, you know, like when you're standing in the line for judgment and, you know, there's like Stephen in front of you or any, uh, what are they going to say? Like, hey, what did you do for God? And be like, uh, <laughs> I, I posted a meme one time. <laughs> and they're like, bruh. <laughs> Yeah, I had the little uh, the little scripture in my Instagram bio. Someone called me stupid in the comments of the YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> that was my persecution. Like, no, I <laughs> I want more. I want more than that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hopefully, uh, if the Lord is, if I if I get there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but um. Anyway, back to John four. <laughs> uh, I love I love the ending. The uh, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. Have you ever caught bad theology in some of these modern worship songs? Oh yes, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it makes yeah. me think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, because the truth you have to you have to pursue the truth in your worship of God. We've gone on those rants in the past. My heart's not so much in it anymore. Thank, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be so angry, but um, mm-hmm. just the 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 songs that claim to be worship, and it's more about you and encouraging ourselves than it is about giving praise to God. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I just have beef with um encouraging christian music masquerading as worship yeah i definitely that's definitely been a theme since like the 80s i think (laughs) yeah um there was like trying to because for a while it was like if it isn't worship music then like it can't be christian music and people were like that's ridiculous which is true they wanted to make Christian entertainment music, which is fine, but then that's, I think people, hmm. they just took that and started playing it in the place of worship, and it's not, it's two very different things. Hmm. I'm trying to look for one of the other scriptures I found. So Ephesians five fifteen through 21 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. That addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is really interesting to me. Because Mm. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the encouraging Christian music. It's just that I don't think that it's the same as worshiping God. Right. And of course, we had run into that other scripture in Romans, and of course, it's far from me now that I need it, the spiritual worship. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, keeping keeping living your living uh presenting your body as a living sacrifice for this is your spiritual worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, that's such an interesting concept. Though Romans 12, 1 through 2 is, Therefore, my brothers, by the mercy of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Yeah, calling things that aren't worship, worship, and in so doing, diminishing the actual concept of worship. Yeah, yeah. And really undercutting the the power of it. And I think that's a very strong theme across the board. Uh, mm-hmm. in the American church is just downplaying everything and sugarcoating it and mixing it. You know, there's this concept of um, mixed fire in the Old Testament. Um, the hmm. sons of a, of a priest, they mixed fire. There was the, those, the holy fire for sacrifice and they mixed other fire. And I don't even really know what that means. I, me- I remember reading the story and being like, I'm, I don't even... I don't know how there's a difference in the fire, you know, but they brought strange fire was the word. They brought strange fry, strange fire to the altar of God and God killed them for it. Because I think yeah. what these sons had done, I think that they had um they had married women outside of the outside of the Hebrews and I think that they had you know, corrupted themselves with these women's religion and stuff. I believe that's the context behind it. I might be completely it's happened wrong. a lot. It happened a lot in the Old Testament. So yeah, yeah. And I haven't. I didn't look up this story because I wasn't planning on talking about it. But so I, I believe that's the context. I may be wrong. Um, but I know that there was the concept. There was this this high priest, and I think he had. I think he had seven sons. Actually, there's very important number correlation in the in the Bible a lot. Unfortunately, I don't know it enough to back you up, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> but they, yeah, they brought what was called, I remember that it's very specifically was called strange fire to the altar of God. And what it was is they mixed it with the fire that was there to burn sacrifice. And that concept of, of mixing it diminished it. And God was so angry that he, he quite brutally killed all of those sons, I think, if I remember correctly. And I, I just think that that's, um, <clears throat> I think that concept is something that every human being has done throughout their worship of God. We've all brought strange fire to our altars, but I think that that's a pretty strong theme in the American church is just mixing, mixing, and by doing so, watering down and really undercutting the, the power of God, which I think is why we have such a lack of miracles in this nation. You know, there's not a lot of lack of miracles in this present day. I think in America, we easily think that. We think like, oh, that's these miracles aren't happening in today's, I don't know, at this point in history. And that's just not true. It's it's happening in a lot of places, just not in America. And even then, more than we think. I'll I'll, um, I'll read Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. I don't think we got that yet. Um, so that says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine as that is debauchery, 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, with your heart, excuse me, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, the thing that I got out of that was the um, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. I think that can be considered like the upbeat, uh, like the uplifting Christian music. Mm-hmm. But it's not worship. Well- you know, um, one, one way that, um, some of my family members have dissected that because my mom has been uh, a worship leader, uh, just for some context. And my grandmother has been uh, a worship leader and a lot in their lives. And they, what they do to kind of give it some scrup- some structure, excuse me, is they say there's a difference between Yay. praise and worship worship is speaking to god and praise is speaking about god and i think i think that concept um of of kind of separating that i think that that is something that's a lot of people don't know and i think there's a lot of uh worship leaders that don't know this it's a very important position to be a worship leader i think it's something this is actually something that my family has talked about a lot it's been kind of it's been kind of turned into if you have any musical talent, you kind of get thrown into the worship leading position. And that's actually a very serious position. That is that is very powerful. And there there are guidelines in the scripture for who should be in places of leadership in the church. That's very very um spelled out for us in the New Testament and it's not being taken seriously enough and I think especially in the case of worship, like we've talked about that a lot. I've, we've met so many people that are on, you know, the worship team and you're sitting there like they should not be on the worship team just because, you know, they can play the guitar, just because they can right, play the drums, yeah. you know, just because you can carry a tune does not mean that you should be at the pulpit as part of the worship team. It's a very serious position and I think it's not taken seriously enough. Yeah, well, we had spoken about, you know, that's one of our big beefs is the commercialization of church. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they, they're too worried about the showmanship of it and not the um, bringing the Holy Spirit in part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is what we call fondant. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> not worried about a good, luscious, tasty cake. You're just worried about presentation. Yeah. Lame. <laughs> I'm sorry for anyone who actually likes fondant. And they're like, hey. <laughs> I'm not. No. <laughs> I think everyone would agree they would prefer a nice buttercream but anyway yeah. why would you take fondant over whipped cream frosting whipped cream frosting yeah come on Corey. no have you ever had whipped cream frosting yes and it's I, delicious no not, not as good as a buttercream and it takes way more work <laughs> for the analogy <laughs> come on now <laughs> No, I'm just teasing. I know. <laughs> it's sweet and it's yummy and it's whipped cream. How can you uh, yeah, argue how can you with resist that? that? <laughs> yeah, one of the easiest cakes in the world, you just get like a white box cake and you get like raspberries and Cool Whip and make a cake with that. And Boom. It's so, yeah. Easy. So delicious. 
But anyway, not to harp on food, even though <laughs> that would be very easy to do. It's lunchtime for us, guys. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, one thing that stands out to me in the scriptures that we've read and in studying this, and it was something that we had talked about prior to recording, and we did actually talk about, but apparently it wasn't recorded. So <laughs> I have to repeat myself here, having some more technical difficulties. Our apps are treating us strangely. Um, but I think, I think there's at least two different kinds of worship that stand out to me. There's the type of worship that I think comes to mind much easier, which is through music. And that's very important as we can see in the scripture. Um, and that's something that I wanted to talk about because I think it's something that I really discounted a lot in my life. Worship is definitely something that I did not take as seriously as I should for a very long time. And I think it was just a couple years ago that I really had like a, a little personal revelation of how powerful worship is, like through music, that type of worship, that it, it really does have some spiritual authority. And so that was something that I really discounted for a very long time. But I think there's there's that side of worship. And then there's this other side of worship that I think doesn't, at least I haven't heard it talked about very much, that we've been discovering as we've been reading scriptures, even about the other topics that we had picked, where it talks about spiritual worship. And it's, we've seen it in multiples of these scriptures, some that you just read today, where that description is living as a living sacrifice, you know, presenting your body as a living, living sacrifice, you know, purity and truth and, um, you know, admonishing one another and what does it say? Let the word of the Lord dwell in you richly teaching and, and admonishing one another and wisdom, singing songs and mm -hmm. singing That's songs and hymns and stuff. Yeah. And it, there's that type of worship where it's more, the way that you live your life mm -hmm. yeah for worship and that was something that we wanted to dive into was that concept that was something we wanted to study to kind of get a better idea of it because i think it's something that even even with you know us being recording now i think it's still a little bit of a fuzzy area i think it's still something that i could stand to study more yeah we'll definitely be coming back around but this is just kind of like a surface like scratching the surface kind of talk mm -hmm. so you were actually reading colossians 3 14 through 17 which is very it's very similar to john um four and that's kind of why i brought it up because it actually pops up and i think it comes back up in philippians too and it's this this concept um that paul brings up a lot You'll see that these two sound the same. So this is Colossians. It says, And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule, you, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and, and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thank with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. Those are very similar. Yeah. he. I was actually um, dumbfounded going, like, because I was listening to the audio Bible as we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and just realizing that that little cluster of scriptures actually comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does. He has this theme a lot. And it almost suggests, I think, about going back to fellowship is that, excuse me, my little child is playing with bottles <laughs> underneath me. That's okay. <laughs> it seems like it's almost more for us again. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Admonishing one another with all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and yeah it's something that we're supposed to be doing together the singing and yeah and there is a lot of power in that i know that we've both mm-hmm. have experienced that um the power of like a chorus singing mm-hmm. yeah i think i think that's why music is something to be so careful with because mm-hmm. i think worship draws you into worship uh, excuse me music draws you into worship and so I think that's why there's like there's so much hero worship about like rock stars and stuff. It gets very cultish very fast. Yeah. Because music is the gateway to worship. I think that we can often deceive ourselves that our feelings, that these emotions that we're feeling are is the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. when it's not. Yeah, I think we're so led by our emotions a lot of time. I know that that's been a big stumbling block and for me my whole life, even now currently in my walk, mm-hmm. is being led astray by my own flesh- fleshly feelings. And I think that music stirs that up and yeah. can often deceive. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember listening to a sermon because you also wanted to bring up David and, yep. and how he worshipped God and how that kind of... That set him up to be what he was. Yeah. yeah. But... He was playing the harp for um, Saul. Yep, King Saul. And even though that Saul couldn't be saved, per se, because he was kind of cut off at that time, but David's playing would bring ease to the to the evil that was kind of raging in him because mm-hmm. of the state that he was at with the Lord, that he was kind of frantic, and then David would play, and it would bring ease to him. Yeah, it would sort of soothe his torment. Yeah, that... But that the um, what was said in the sermon was that the music still couldn't save him, though, even though he was right. feeling these feelings, probably of the similar to the comfort that he gets that what's with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a big trap, actually, is that mm-hmm. false worship can lead us into these emotions of safety when we're not really safe. Absolutely, yeah. Especially when you're the unsuspecting one and then there's terrible theology in a, in a worship song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because it has a way of opening our hearts and opening our minds and opening our spirit. Music has the ability to do that. So if you're opening yourself up to something bad, it's a very good way to get a lot of bad into your mind and into your heart and into your spirit for sure yeah and that's why i hate modern day music too i can't like listen to anything Mm. that's not specifically christian anymore yeah because horrible gateway for horrible things and ideas and depression and 
Mm-hmm. I find that with media altogether, like I can't watch TV shows and movies anymore. And I'm not necessarily no, speaking against watching that kind of stuff. I'm not that guy, but I can't do it. I absolutely can't do it anymore. It just, I actually, it just I lets go way too much step, evil in. I'll, I'll go one step further. I will be that guy because if you're a real <laughs> Christian, no, like, like mm-hmm. seriously, if you're that Christian, because this is what held me back forever is indulging in that. And not realizing. Yeah, Yeah, not being careful about what you're watching, for sure. So now where I'm at, if I'm watching something, I was watching something, I don't even remember what it was. It was just some old TV show, like like sitcom that I used to watch and it was really nostalgic and I was enjoying it. But every night I was having nightmares about death. I was having horrible nightmares about death every night that I was watching it and I stopped watching it and the nightmares stopped. And I was just like... And then I really sat down and I analyzed that show. And I'm like, there's literally no redeeming character in that. <laughs> it's all about, yeah. you know, being promiscuous and selfishness. And there's literally no characteristics of God in any single one of the characters in that. Mm-hmm. And I was literally just watching it because I was in a dry spot and I needed some nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, whoops, that did absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, nothing good. Yeah, I def- definitely with... Um with modern media like the modern tv shows and movies it's it's so bad it's so unbelievably bad i don't know i don't know how like you're saying i don't know how you can be a christian and tolerate it like there must be some there not must be but there might be some good stuff out there i don't know i'm not gonna go looking for it i'm not gonna you know play russian roulette with it by any means right But there's definitely you know there's stuff that that I will watch, like Lord of the Rings and stuff. I actually really want to watch those again. It's been a really long time since I watched those. Well, the good thing but- about those is because I have to have that argument a lot because mm-hmm. I get asked that every time I bring it up. It's just like, well, you watch this and it has evil in it. I'm like, yeah, but the evil is painted as evil. Yeah. And there's a hero and they that. rise up against it. That's not the way things are now. We worship no. evil. There's yeah. literally TV shows. There's a TV show out right now that's called Evil. It's just called Evil. <laughs> I'm They're not surprised. Shows about about satanic stuff, and they oh yeah, and, absolutely. They're worshiping this. It becomes mm-hmm. an idol, and then you're worshiping it's, it in yeah, some form or another. It's so bad. It's insane. Like so, I, yeah. I get these stupid commercials on my Pandora when I'm listening to oh, music, and I'm like, why? I shouldn't. Yeah, I'm like, I shouldn't have to listen to this commercial. I should be able to tell you that this is offensive to me, and you shouldn't be able to play this. Like it's awful. I hate, hate, hate nothing more than the unskippable horror ads yes it makes me so angry because it ruins Mm. it used to ruin my life as a child because i had i was so susceptible to those things i Mm -hmm. that that hand that the enemy had over me yeah with nightmares and being afraid and constantly being afraid Mm -hmm. and not being able to skip those or get away from it ever so now it doesn't seem right at all yeah so and, now, and that's the case for so many people. And they don't realize it. I don't think yeah. they realize it at all. And and even the ones that do, you know, there's so many people that have been in that place where they're they're haunted by stuff they saw as a kid. I know I still deal with um with certain fears because of stuff that I watched when I was a kid. I shouldn't have been watching. Oh, I hundred percent same. I, you know, I I'm honestly I don't think there's probably anyone our age and younger who doesn't have at least something from media. Like that's how big a part. It, how big it is in our lives yeah it's crazy so 
the the new big thing now that is coming out now uh is it's um there's a new animated adult tv show that's coming out and it's called little that demon already oh yeah oh is it animated i didn't realize that i've heard the commercials um so yeah, it's coming if it's out adult by FX. animated it's already de- it's you already know it's going to be awful <laughs> yeah that's already going to be all kinds of gateways to a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff but if they you, have to you... animate it it's because they're not willing to uh portray that stuff in with actual <laughs> real actors so you know right. it's going to be even worse and there's not much um, that they're not willing to portray anymore, so. Well, you do know the premise of that show? Did you hear anything about that? I, um, I mean, I, I heard, like, the commercials of it. Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, the devil's kid or something. The Antichrist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a little girl. And the first episode is about her having her first period. Yeah. And it's supposed to be for adults. Yeah, that's not catered to kids at all. But I was listening to another Christian podcast about it, and she had investigated deeper into the creators of the show, and they all had accounts of being inspired by seeing, like, It and uh, Mm -hmm. Rosemary's Baby and all those old demonic shows from back in the day, and those are what inspired them and brought them into what they are now. I'm just like, oh my gosh, man, like... yeah. Make no, it absolutely. I mean, just even, I think it was Ted Bundy, the serial killer. He said, you want to stop people from me from existing? Don't ban weapons, ban porn, because that's how I got started. I mean, we do not, un- oh, we do not appreciate. <laughs> huh? You won't see that in the media. <laughs> no, you don't, you know, we don't appreciate how much sway this stuff has in our lives, especially in our kids' lives. And it's it's just insane the stuff that's allowed to be portrayed. It's creating idolatry. Yeah, I think that's what it what it really is. The thing that God warned me about in my heart, especially like when I was young, and I know we both really liked uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. But I had a deep desire to have like power almost because I wanted to be like a hero. Oh yeah. And, like I had to like cut myself off from that show for a long for a long time because it's like oh there's something almost tempting about that mm-hmm. wanting to get into weird spiritual practices to gain some kind of authority yeah. and it's just like no yeah <laughs> that was the thing that was like there was so much about that show that I love but yeah it definitely has to be a distance because there's so much spiritual themes in it that are bad <laughs> period <laughs> they're just plain bad. And they do have some some level of authority. I think a lot of stuff... We don't realize how much um, being portrayed in the media is at portrayal of actual things, actual spiritual things. I think that's something... That's a conversation probably a lot of people aren't ready for. <laughs> yeah. But there have definitely been times that I was watching, you know, watching like a, a cartoon or something because I had gotten to the point before I just completely stopped watching stuff altogether that I was like, I'm just going to watch kids shows. It's the only thing that's safe. And, uh, and even then whoops. it's still not. Absolutely <laughs> <Nope>. not. Yeah. <laughs> but just like watching, I remember I was watching this cartoon and I really liked it. And, um, it was like this cute little storyline, these characters and stuff. And it was an animated thing. And this creature came on screen 
And my spirit rose up inside of me like I have rarely felt in my life. And it was like that represents something that is real and is very evil. And I had to turn it off because that represented something, something in the spirit world that is real. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not giving place to that. Absolutely not. And I think that is way more common than we realize in our media. I almost want to become Amish. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's like when all the when the gas prices went crazy and everybody's like, you know, the Amish had it right all along. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely when, yeah, when I can't get away from a lot of um, the stuff that's in the media, like TV shows and movies and stuff. If like people around me are watching it and I can't get away from it, I'm like, I'm go- I'm going Amish. Yep. I'm running away. <laughs> I don't want to listen. I don't. I don't even want to listen. Even in passing, I don't want to listen. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sensitive at this point. I think that brings us to Psalm 29 too, and it says, "Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness." Mm. I love that. Me too. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. I I love that splendor of holiness. I think, mm-hmm. you know, this goes back to what we have talked about with the rules in the Bible, God's rules that he has set out. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to think that God created life and then he was like, this is what it's like on hard mode. Now I want you guys to try and pursue that. It's like, <laughs> right. no, that's not what the rules are. The rules are, I created life and this is how it works. And if you step outside of how it works, that's going to lead to all sorts of bad stuff, which we're all living the result of, you know, generations of stepping outside of those rules. And so I love that in the splendor of holiness, because to live a holy life is to live in splendor. Like it's a wonderful, beautiful, wholesome thing. That's how you get the very best mm-hmm. of life. Even if it is difficult, it actually creates the better life and therefore the easier life mm-hmm. if you pursue holiness. And I, I mm-hmm. like the way that that's worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. It also makes me relate to it like the word abundance in the mm-hmm. abundance of holiness. Like yeah. it's an endless, we, we are often fooled um, into thinking of of a less loftier God than what is really there. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember which one it was. I believe it was Isaiah. It was either Isaiah or Jeremiah where they he gets that um, image of God and he sees all the seraphim and mm. the angels and he, he gets so disgusted with himself. Mm-hmm. And his mouth and his his mouth in particular and his tongue and the angel comes down with the hot coal and cleanses his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I can only imagine now, like I used to think, I used to have images of like getting to heaven and like running into the Lord's arms and, and having that moment. But now I think I'll just like shiver and turn mm-hmm. into a raisin and just be like, I'm unworthy. I'm so to sorry. a raisin. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah, I I definitely, yeah, I have a lot of fear about Judgment Day for sure. But I think it's a healthy fear. Yeah. Um, But I also love what you're saying, what you said about um, the abundance of holiness. 
mm-hmm. I think along the same same lines same lines of what I was saying, it's so easy to think that the straight narrow road that we walk, it's easy to think that it's a desolate place, that it's a it's a lonely little desolate life. And it certainly will be lonely, but it is not desolate. It is abundant in goodness. So I like I like what you brought out there, the abundance of holiness. Because I think it's so easy to think that it's empty, but it's not. It's very full. Um you know what's funny, actually, it's the first part. Yes, Emmy. Um, it's the first part of that scripture that really blows my mind the most. Um, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Mm-hmm. Our God deserves in his in his due much glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into, I don't remember how we worded it, but basically like the sovereigns of God. That's yeah. definitely something I'm excited to uh, dive into because there's so much scripture on that. Like we're talking about picking a concept and really diving into the scripture about mm-hmm. that concept. I think that's really, I'm I'm excited to do that more and more. And I'm definitely excited to do that about about the sovereigns of God, you know, about the glory that is due his name. Yeah. I, I just like that idea of it's owed to God. Like, yeah, because we haven't been giving it to him. Mm-hmm. And that his holiness or like supersedes anything that we could comprehend or realize yeah. or know or, or are willing to admit to ourselves because, you know, we're all suffering from this, like the good, I'm the good person syndrome. Oh goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we Doesn't see exist. how good God is. And then we're like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't fall into the trap of thinking you're a good person. Cause you're not. No, that will keep you from salvation in many, many ways. Yeah. And I think that that's um, that concept is one of the reasons that worship is so important. I think one thing that I wanted to mm. talk about, and unfortunately I didn't pulling up the actual scriptures to read from the, you know, from the Bible itself, um, unfortunately. But I think, you know, it's pretty familiar information for a lot of people. And I think it comes first in a lot of ways to ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name to, to figure out, you know, it says like the mm-hmm. beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that concept of God, you know, like I, I think that's something that we so easily stop thinking about and we so easily diminish that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time, the first step to finding victory in life, even through physical things as well as spiritual things is to, put that worship first to ascribe to the Lord, the glory that is due his name, you know, to really dive into just everything that he is. I mean, you, you, you see that a lot. Like when what David was, was king, go ahead. Yeah. What was that scripture that we, we dove apart, we ripped apart in the beginning of it was um, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and then always have ready for the hope to give reason for the hope that was in, that is within you. It's just that the sanct- to sanctify God in your heart and to set mm-hmm. him up as holy and in meditating on the holiness of God and how he is king and he is ruler and having mm-hmm. reverence and respect for him in that way. Yeah, I think I think it's such an important um thing to do first like if you're going to approach the throne of God, which we do every time we pray, 
And first of all, I think we should let that, that thought be as scary as it truly is. Yeah, there's scriptures to back that up that I can't call to yeah. mind, but I've definitely seen that warning. Yeah, like when, when we pray, when we communicate with God, we are going before, we are going into the throne room and we are standing before him. And I think one one very important concept, not necessarily necessary, mind you, but I think one really important concept, especially if you're going to ask something of God, I think is to walk into the throne room reminding yourself, but also reminding him of just how awesome he is, how incredible he is. Like a lot of the victories that the Israelites found uh, through God when he would bring them to battle, he would put worshipers on the front line. Musicians were on the front lines of the Israelites. The first thing they did was they would make music and they would worship God. They would lift up his name. They would burn incense on the the front lines. And that was always done first before battle. Go ahead. Yeah. I think a good image of that was um, Moses. Was it Moses or was it somebody else that was stood like in his place? The as As long as his arms were up. They were winning, and when his arms put were put down, they were losing. So they had men come on either side and to hold his, uh, to keep his hands up high, so they would, so they could win the battle. Hmm. I don't remember who that, that was. I remember that story, but I I do not remember. It was, I it was probably either it was Moses or Aaron. It might have been Aaron instead. I don't remember. But it was it was definitely around there. <laughs> yeah, it was early on when they had like just got away from Egypt. And they had to make their way. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the context for that story at all. But yes, what yeah, it was a crazy story. Oh, it happens so many times. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I never realized that before too until recently when I got my I got out of a weird floppy stage and into like a better one and just mm-hmm. realizing like, oh, this happens more than once. <laughs> There's multiple <laughs> yep. accounts of this. And that's why yeah. I know it in so many different forms is that mm-hmm. it literally just happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I think um, along the lines of worship coming first, uh, I had wanted to mention David. The reason that I guess I shouldn't be so bold as to say the reason. But it said when when God decided who the next king of Israel was going to be, he very much said it was about the heart of the man. You know, it's he says very plainly, like, men look at the outward things, but I look at the heart. And he, mm-hmm. he cared for the heart of David. And we can see that in David's early life, he spent so much time in worship of God. And even mm-hmm. throughout being king, even throughout his numerous victories, even throughout his numerous sin, all the horrible things he did. David did many horrible things that God was very angry with. Um, I'm not going to crap on David too hard because same. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I don't know. I've never, I've never murdered somebody because uh, I've never murdered a woman because I wanted to uh, have sex with her husband. So. I guess I, Wait, I can point a little bit of a finger at David. Yeah, he murdered a man because he wanted to have sex with her, his wife. You you switched that around. I did switch that around for, to apply to I me. And I was like, wait. 
was like, huh? <laughs> I, I know I, David did some weird things, but I didn't think you. he went there. <laughs> well, because I was thinking in the way of David. He's like, well, he never... What? He never killed a woman because he wanted to have sex with a man? No. Yeah, no, no. I switched that around to apply to me. Okay. okay thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but yeah, even throughout all of that and all of the horrible things, and, and David paid for all of those things, you know. Oh, yes. God never let justice justice fail just because he loved David. Um, throughout all of those things, David d- is described as a man after God's own heart. And I think what always kept him grounded, what always brought him back to his Lord was worship. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think he reminded himself often of the of the sovereigns of God and how it often came first. And that was just something that I really remembered about many of the victories in the Old Testament. They, they started with a worship service to God. Mm. And that was the beginning of their victory. I just remember one story yeah, where one of his wives, if that gives you any hint of how David was, one of his wives yeah. was all mad and embarrassed because she saw him dancing mm-hmm. to God in, when he was worshiping. Yeah, he danced in the street. He took off his kingly robes. He was wearing a just a basic tunic and danced in the street, and she uh, criticized him for it in her heart. And God was angry with her. God spoke to her in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think there's, there's something, because I think when you enter into true worship, you really diminish yourself in that moment. It's not about us in that moment. No, not at all. And that's why I have such beef with modern day worship, because it yeah. somehow always comes back around to us. Mm-hmm. I like how much God about, loves me. Yeah, I like songs about testimonials, and I think that they have great power as testimonials. But they're not worshiping God. Yeah, they're not. Agreed. I mean, I can think of some of the Psalms because a lot of the Psalms uh, have like endless scriptures about worship, worship within them. A lot mm-hmm. of them are worshiping God. Yeah. Within within a horrible situation, you know. Worshiping God about deliverance and being good despite bad times and whatnot. But yeah. It's still not <laughs> there's still just a little too much of us sprinkled in to uh the modern day stuff for me. Yeah. I think I think that's that's something that I've been thinking about a lot a lot as being a struggle for Americans because I think as Americans we're very individual based in our mind which as far as the government goes I'm all for that mm-hmm. all for like absolute absolute freedom of the individual I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say absolute but the most freedom possible for the individual right and so I think for Americans it's very difficult for us to remember that we are servants of God and that we should be throwing ourselves down at our, on our face before him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where a lot of the struggle comes from is from our concept of us being a little too hung up on individual self to remember how little we truly are. Yeah. Yeah. I always have that, um, because it's not in our culture or in our way of life. None of these, a lot of these themes are lost on Americans, I think, mm-hmm. because our culture doesn't involve that in any way. Yep. 
we actually rebel against those ideas a lot. Yeah. Especially when it comes to reverence and having and authority and every and, and anything like mm-hmm. that. We're so hung up on the concept of leadership. And that's yeah. something that I want to do a podcast on. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I think it's uh, a real stumbling block in the church right now. I've mm-hmm. experienced it a lot in my interactions with um, the body of believers. Mm. So I definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, funny enough, um, in a video game that I was playing, there's this this interesting concept. Um, it's like your character is talking to this runaway slave and you like help him get away from his former master and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he's like trained as a warrior because he was a slave, but he was also a bodyguard. And so your character asks him like, well, then why didn't you run away sooner? Like, if you if you're you were so capable of getting away from this person sooner, why did you never do it? And he responds with, "Well, you've clearly never been a slave. When you're a slave, you don't think about those kinds of things. Your only thought is your master's desire." Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, "Can you imagine?" I wish that I could get to the point that my only thought was my master's desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, that concept is really lost on us. And that doesn't mean that I'm endorsing slavery, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that concept is really lost on a lot of modern day people. And I, I think especially Americans, I'm starting to lose my voice. I'm sorry. It's getting a little squeaky. You're but- fine. It's okay. <laughs> I don't talk this much in my real life. <laughs> I think every time I start to lose my voice and it gets a little honky. <laughs> but I, I was like, what a what a beautiful concept when you put that concept towards God and not towards any other man. Mm-hmm. Because when you put that concept towards God, it forces you to become a very individual, very independent person. And it often forces you to be in conflict with the people around you mm-hmm. if you have that level of obedience to God. I wish I could be there. Me too. In some in some ways, I can't because I'm also married. <laughs> Paul talks about that. That's yeah. why it's, he talks about it in that sense of why it's kind of better to be single. Mm-hmm. In some ways, is because then you don't have to worry about worldly things. But when you're yeah. married, you have to worry about your children and your spouse. And mm-hmm. in yeah, some ways, it kind of here. yeah, it kind of binds you to the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, it's you still can't. That doesn't mean God's secondary or tertiary or whatever. It's no, because we even it, we even um, talked about that. How how mm-hmm. God said you have to be willing to to hate your children and to hate your spouse and to hate your parents and hate your family for His yeah. sake. Yeah, which is crazy. But then we also see you know, the responsibility and the obligation that you're talking about to your family. Mm -hmm. I don't think one diminishes the other. I think when you first glance at it, it almost seems contradictory. But when you spend a little more time with it, you see how it isn't. If you're, if you're in a marriage or in any kind of relationship or a parent in any way, and God isn't what you're looking at, you will fail. Exactly. Because if you're doing it solely for you or solely for your spouse, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to get mad at your spouse and then you're not going to want to. But if you're doing it for God, if you're keeping the vow for God, if you're doing if you're doing the womanly role for God and falling mm-hmm. in love with the idea of what you represent, then 
then there's a lot less room <laughs> for failure. Absolutely. I also love one thing because I know we talk a lot about like what the church is failing at lately and I feel bad. One thing that I th- I've noticed when I've been uh, in communion with the with the body of Christ is something that a lot of I've heard people say um, to either a man or a woman in a in a family um, but something that I think has been said a lot to the men as the head of the household lately is your family is your first ministry. And I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, yeah. I think that's a really good thing that the um, church is focusing on now. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though, obviously, I think, I think it was our past, our last podcast that we talked about, we talked about that scripture being willing to to be at odds with yes. your family and being willing to leave them for the Lord. Yes, I was. And I wanted to bring that out because I, I thought that was so important for what we we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's also so important for people to remember that your family is the first people around you that you can minister to, that you can represent mm-hmm. the gospel to. And what you're saying is you do that by dedicating it to God, by God being your focus, by dedicating your life and your and your sovereigns and everything to him and pursuing him that is how you end up ministering to the people around you Mm -hmm. it's ultimately for the for the better betterment of your family as well yeah yeah and i and i like that concept because i think a few years ago I, i think that wasn't such a concept with uh ministers i think a lot of the time a lot of the time, if you're the child of a minister, your faith, not not maybe not your faith, but a lot of your needs get neglected because it's expected by the people around you that you just have what you need. But your your family and your parents are usually focused on the people that they're ministering to, and that usually ends up not being you if you're a kid in that right. situation. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's um, oftentimes why you'll why you'll find like the the craziest sins, right? That you're like, I can't believe, uh, I can't believe you would do that when you're a minister's kid. I think a lot of the the craziest sins that you'll find is often like the minister's kid. And, um, I think for a long time, very often there's a certain level of neglect there. And I love, I love that in the recent interactions that I've had with, um, ministers and such that they say, you minister to your family first because they're they're your first flock and i was like oh that's i think that's accurate i think that's i think that's in keeping with god's heart you know mm-hmm. i can't say i've done a i've do- dived into the scripture and pulled that out of the scripture you know but when i hear that i'm like i think i think there's a certain level of truth to that and i i really have enjoyed hearing that so props oh, to I... the church for that yeah <laughs> i um i was going to say that I I know that there was a lot of time that we've both spent in our life searching for a purpose and a place to minister. And then I just realized all of a sudden that I have my own, (laughs) Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, because I think as Christians and it's not preached enough to us and it's not apparent enough that when we just stepping outside, you're stepping into a ministry and that we need to be ambassadors all the time, constantly for others as well. Yeah. 
but all of a sudden I do have a very specific and very important ministry right here and that is just the family home yep and playing out honoring God in all these things that I've all these responsibilities I have now as a wife and a mother (laughs) yeah yeah And, and that doubles back to that that concept that we were talking about um I think it was in devotion I don't really remember now but we were talking about having to build up that alone time with God, having to build up your mm-hmm. foundation as yourself mm. because, because you're going to be representing the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to know how to get involved in the ministry. Just start focusing on your own walk with God and all the other stuff will fall into place. Well, yeah, because ultimately in the end, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah. You can't, it's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah, absolutely. If you're struggling in any sense with anyone in a in ministry, you know, we're just gardening, we're just mm-hmm. giving the seed to them, but it's, it's, after that, it's in God's hands. There's only so much you can do. I'll think, uh, I think I'll um go into uh, two of these scriptures that I have from Hebrews that are really powerful. Um, it's Hebrews twelve twenty eight. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And it's just that idea that we owe God mm. so much worship for everything he's done. Yeah. I almost feel like we could do a part two, just diving into what is acceptable worship. Yeah, that's probably, that's the kind of the meat that we wanted that we missed out on. Mm -hmm. But I think this is nice just kind of like delving into the concept and trying people's concepts of worship and saying like, hey, it's not just this. (laughs) Yeah, and also remembering its importance. Mm -hmm. Because that's something that, In my own life, I really discounted the importance of worship forever. Mm -hmm. And I think a large part of that is because I'm so not musically gifted. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I really, I really am tone deaf. Um, I've never really enjoyed playing music. I can play music a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I was pretty good at playing the piano when I did it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I gleaned so little enjoyment from it. And so I think I really discounted worship because of the music side of it. Yeah. But when I was doing really poorly in college with my health and such, I was really sick. That was when I finally got a breakthrough into worship. And I needed to worship every day. Every day I got into worship, and that was through music. I would ha- I had my worship music, and I was very picky about it because there's a lot of really <laughs> junk worship music. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I have Pandora, so I was using those thumbs a lot, thumbs up and thumbs down, <laughs> <laughs> to get rid of all the awful worship music. Yeah. And it finally started to figure out what I liked, and and yeah, I had to be very picky with it. But I. I was so tired, and I think now as I'm delving into my health, I think what it was is I was severely sleep deprived. That's mm-hmm. my th- that's my running theory of what was going on with my health. Mm-hmm. So I was so sick in all these weird little ways that never really added up because on one hand, I was still so healthy. 
So I think what it was is I was just severely sleep deprived. And I did not have like the mental constitution to face the day if I did not get into worship at least once in the day. Like that's how much I relied on it. And that was when I had my eyes opened for the first time to the power of worship, like just how important it is. And I I think I need to dive into that again. Yeah, I definitely do. I know a lot of times, um, especially with the culture that we face, I think a lot of people would relate to this, but it's that laziness that's brought on by bouts of depression, just not having the will to do anything. Yeah. I, I'm inspired to get up and do my everyday stuff by the Lord and by Mm -hmm. worshiping him and starting my morning off hearing the good word and worshiping and having a good service in that way. Yeah. I'm inspired. It's like a second wind. I I don't know. Like I can just get up and finally do the things that I've been needing to do. Mm-hmm. It, I never want to forget that. I never. I, it's so easy to fall into it, and it tempts me. And I have bad days where I go right back to that, and it's just like, no. Yeah. I just read that scripture. It's so easy to just not. <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily blatant rebellion. It's just so easy to just not. And it takes effort to get into worship, and it takes effort to get into a conversation yeah. with God and to enter well, the throne room. It's a concept that I want to get more into later, but I skipped it for now. But it's in that Ephesians 5, the beginning, uh, 15, 5.15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Yeah. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know that warning scripture where it's just like, Lord, Lord, you know, we did works in your name. And and Jesus says, no, turn away from me. It's those who did not obey the will of the Lord. And it makes me think that, you know, like I can follow the scripture. I can do all the good things that I I want. But if the Lord comes to me and speaks to me, he's like, hey, go go talk to that person. And I don't. How many times am I going to get away with that until I die? Because, you know. Eternity's not is like an arm reach away at any moment. It really is. And then I get there and he'd be like, You never did my will. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? It's like, okay, yeah, you did the things, but you never did my will. And I'm like, that is what I'm like chokes my soul open. It's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know, one one scripture that's always weighed very heavy on me, and I do not resent the weight, is to whom much is given, much is required. I think Hmm. I was given so much biblical knowledge so young and I live a pretty comfortable life. You know, I live in this really beautiful spot and whatnot. And I I know that I've been given much and I know that much is required of me. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's definitely weighed very heavy on my heart all my life. And it's certainly not a weight that I resent. It's certainly not a weight that I would get rid of if I could. I think it's very important to remember that. So you know what's funny? I think one thing that binds me and you together very tightly is this. We're not all that similar in a lot of ways, but we are in others in spiritual ways a lot of the time. And I think that's what brings us close. And I, I have been 
given to and blessed by others pretty much all my life. I survive pretty much on the grace of others a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, just by the mercy. And even though I don't have much, I've always had everything I needed. Yeah. And I always have that because it's there. It's a reminder, a conviction in my heart. And then I always say it back. I always repeat it back. Be like, Lord, help me to be ready when the time comes. And I want to serve. I want to serve. I cannot wait to serve those who have helped me. And yeah, just be like, Lord, I help just be there for with me that I don't fall short of that and be able to give back when the time comes because mm-hmm. but also that hunger that we talked about for harder times almost mm-hmm. um, for less comfortable times is that I'm like those are the days where I'm going to get to serve others yeah, the most and I'm just I'm praying that for a stock hold up of strength and courage and God and preparation just so that I cannot fall short when that day comes and that's the biggest desire of my heart yeah also just to not miss those opportunities i feel like there have definitely been times in my life where i missed the opportunities and i think god has a fair amount of forgiveness for that when you genuinely didn't notice in the moment but i think i think that that kind of boils back to the failure of your personal devotion because if you had been more devoted in your personal life, you wouldn't have missed it, you know? And I've, I've definitely felt those moments. I wish I could come up with a, an example, but I don't actually have one coming to mind. Well, I have one that doesn't apply to me. I remember this time we were walking around. Um, I, remember, I know the story. Do you? Caleb's t-shirt. Is that the one? No, but same, kind of same, kind of. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, I actually don't remember that story. You should, <laughs> you should tell me that story because I don't remember. I like, I, I remember it as you said it. I remember that being. I think you got you were telling me thing, and he had a Christian shirt on, and somebody asked him about it, and kind of just like shrugged it off, and was just like, yeah, and then walked away, and then kind of this moment of, oh, that was an opportunity to share the gospel, and it didn't happen. Huh. That I, that definitely sounds familiar. I do think that that is an accurate recounting of that story, but I had completely forgotten about it until now. Haha, <laughs> and I wasn't even there. <laughs> well, actually, I don't think I was there for that one either. I think that's why I don't remember it. I think, <laughs> I was, yeah, that was something I had my brother, but I wasn't there for that. Uh, but sorry, we boys. Around, <laughs> Didn't we mean walking, to expose you. <laughs> we were walking around, and I was there for this, but I wasn't involved, and I was always very jealous that I wasn't involved in this story. But apparently there was this, there was this homeless man sitting on the street, and I didn't even notice him, and I feel bad for that. But apparently... When we left, my mom was like, she was being really heavily convicted. And she said, God told, God, God really prompted me to speak to that man, to pray for that man. She said, and I didn't. And my brother Jacob went, I was really prompted to as well. And I also didn't. And I, I don't even like remember the situation. I definitely wasn't prompted to. And I was kind of jealous of that. But that's such a heartbreaking story. And I definitely, like, I know there's been times that I did that too. Yeah. And I wish that I could think of them because I'd rather tell my own story than somebody Mm -hmm. else's, especially of that sort of a story. Mm -hmm. But, like, I remember that. That really stood out to me. I was like, man, 
I don't ever want to miss those opportunities. I really don't want to. So we just talked about, you know, how Paul talked about the benefits of being single versus married. Mm -hmm. There's this really sketchy homeless dude that stands... I don't even know if he's actually homeless. I just, I know that he is just not a very good person just from work, mm-hmm. my old job that I used to work at. And he stands out there every day with a cardboard sign asking for money. I don't think he needs it actually. He has everything he needs. I'm pretty sure he has a wife and kid, but he's just mentally ill, I think. Oh. He's been through some stuff. And um, because people used to come bring him bags of food and he would come throw it away in our dumpsters. And just come yeah, spend all the money they gave him on, like, cigarettes and booze and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have this, just an urge to talk to him, I guess. I don't know if it's actually spiritual, like, urging to me to talk to him. Or if it's just, like, wanting to hear from the horse's mouth what his story is. Mm-hmm. But I know he's also been a kind of a creep to some of the other girls that used to be there. Yeah. And every time I drive by him, I think about it, but... I also think about, I don't know if also if this is foolishness, foolishness or not, but thinking like, would that make my husband uneasy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if he found out that I put myself in that situation or just the no, reach definitely. that my ministry can have towards men even anymore. Because mm-hmm. I know that I, I will not put myself in a situation where I'm alone with a man yeah. to minister and even in any kind of way. Absolutely. Not that I think that there's a lot of ministering that I could do to a man, but as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I and, think I, and I think, yeah, that all, that all ties together. And that's why I think it's so important when the, when the scriptures say um, to not be unequally yoked. And um, that's something that like the assemblies of God really emphasizes when they ordain a pastor they want it to be a couple mm-hmm. that they are both pastors. And yeah. that's like been the situation for my grandparents. And they talk about the importance of that a lot yeah. is so that in those situations, you could be together on it mm-hmm. because that's so important. Because even though we're talking things spiritual, we have to talk through our physical bodies and those mm-hmm. physical bodies have gender and you just have to, unfortunately, I wish we could just not, <laughs> But unfortunately, we are confined to that in some ways, you know. Yeah, and I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I'm so excited for the fellowship in heaven, where the, yeah, those, we don't think about that anymore. Yeah, and just be fellowship with the brothers and sisters alike, and it just be joy and not yeah. have to see it through a lens. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always been a huge frustration for me. Um, because I think I think a lot of the times I've found myself like in male dominated things. And I think I think what I've finally realized is as a woman there is a certain type of ministry that I do have towards men as a woman and I think one thing that really this is so wildly off topic but that's okay. I think one thing that really brought that out for me um that I've seen the most seen it the most in is boxing so I I work with um I'm part of a boxing gym that's also an outreach ministry and I'm one of the coaches 
So there's our head coach, Max, and then there's me, and then we have a couple of other coaches that are men, um, Zenon and Roland. And one thing that I've noticed, especially in competition, it's not quite as noticeable just playing in practice, but it's still there, but very noticeable in competition. Um, like the importance of me being a woman in that situation, because I usually, I wrap my fighter's hands. So when we go to competition, I've been able to wrap both Roland's and Zenon's hands now as they went to fight. And I've noticed the importance of me being a woman in that moment. And it's very much outside of any concept or of sex or romance. And it's just, it's just the concept of me being a woman is a comfort to them in that moment. And I've realized that there's definitely th- something that I've always known is there's definitely certain topics that as a woman, especially as a single young woman, I really would not address with like, say, an older married man. You know, like obviously there's concepts that I would just never pretend I could minister to that person about. Right. Yeah. But there's also, I think I think there's also things that we represent that we minister to that I think it's, that it's a benefit to be something, to be the opposite, so to speak. I think in those moments, I remember after Z's fight, you know, he gave coach a hug and then like he really needed a a hug from me. And there was nothing creepy about it. There was nothing weird about it. There was no hitting on me. He had just been in a fight and it, you know, he'd given it his all. It had been kind of a rough fight. Mm. And he just, he really needed to hug me in that moment, you know, and being able to be, being the female coach, being the female team member that's, you know, in like in the core group that's in the administration, so to speak, that works the corner. I think it's such a blessing to me that my job is to wrap the hands mm-hmm. and to carry the water because it's mm-hmm. so it's so nourishing. And it's mm-hmm. like I've seen in those moments how important it is because it's like every pretty much every team of boxing at this point or, or MMA, whatever it is, you know, Zen- Zenin's fight was an MMA fight. He's an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's women everywhere. And we're definitely the minority, but it's 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 such a beautiful thing. I wish I could show it to more people. I wish I could show them what I see in those moments a little bit more because it's in that moment you're so not worried about sex appeal. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like you're you're in there to fight, like it's a it's a gnarly business. But so there's there's a certain level of respect that you get as a woman that's so beautiful in fighting. And obviously there's, you know, the creepers, it's a very physical sport and you'll always have to deal with those creepers. And I definitely have too. But for the most part, there's a certain level of respect for women. And it's a combination of them being protective of you, but also feeling safer with you. You know, (laughs) there's there's like a certain nourishment that I think they get from you being a woman. My goodness, you mean the way it's supposed to be? Oh, Exactly, (laughs) exactly. It's like such a picture of the way it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. because it's outside of the cultural sex appeal. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And I'm like, why don't we have this more? This is how it should be in the church, you know? Yeah. It's like on one hand, you get so babied as a girl in the sport (laughs) by your male counterparts. But then on the other hand, they're so excited for you to dominate when Mm. you fight, when you compete. Mm-hmm. And they give you so much respect and they, they treat you with respect. You know, they're still hard on you. And at the same time, they mm-hmm. baby you. And it's just, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's like my favorite thing ever. I'm like, this is exactly 
what it's supposed to be, mm. you know, we'll, and you we'll really to... get that idea of healing and nourishment yeah. from the female presence. There's a scripture mm. in the Bible that says there's healing in the woman's hands mm-hmm. somewhere. And I don't really have the context for that, but it's so beautiful because it's so true. We're going to have to break down and just do a podcast on that. I know that we had some reservations on going into it, but I think that (laughs) it's a healthy conversation to have as long as we don't um, approach too much on. I think as long as like we said, right. But also, like you said, like there are some things we can never speak on necessarily Mm -hmm. per se about like the man's job other than what scripture says and experiences where we felt it as it's supposed to be. Yeah, And I think that's a healthy conversation to have as women because I think more than anyone right now in the culture at least that women are doing the worst job (laughs) at uh, doing their job and staying in their lane. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. In the culture at least. I think it's so mixed at this point. It is. It's But I'm because what you were just saying like men don't feel like they can have that kind of relationship with women anymore because they're too afraid yeah, of sure. ramifications of lies and and being called less and unworthy because they have emotions yeah we've harped like there was a culture that harped on them from not for not having emotions and now we're in a state where women beat up on men for having emotions and i hate that yeah yeah, it's it's such a mixed thing that we've created. It's like there's so many teeny tiny layers of just back and forth wrongness on both sides. But yeah, I think it's definitely something we could talk about. We could dive into kind of what we're doing wrong. But I think in a, in a lot of ways, one thing that would really benefit is to talk about what's right. I think that would be more beneficial. Scripturally speaking... That's yeah. always the way to go. <laughs> yeah. It pretty much tells us, yeah. Oh, total side note. I won't dive into a lot, but I wanted to just, oh, I think it's in Ephesians because I had just listened to it, but it was talking about that, like, that it's evil, even shameful to talk about what sinners do. Yeah. It's even shameful to talk about what they do and to not have crude jokes amongst us mm-hmm. because... It's even shameful to talk about it. We could do a whole podcast on that. Let me tell you what. That dives into what we're talking about with the media as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also, yeah, what we've been talking about, like with your speech and what you allow to be talked about or joked about, especially. I think that's a really big concept that is not being taken as seriously as it needs to be. The jokes that are being made. Yeah. And that might just be because I've been surrounded by it so much that I might just have a, a personal beef with it. But I think it's really widespread. Yeah, it that seems is not that being handled properly. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. Um, bringing us back around to worship, <laughs> I think I'm gonna bring us into um, Psalm 100, one through five, and it says, "A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is no, oh." That is what it says. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His, stes- 
his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness and his faithfulness to all generations i love the psalms for that they get into that so much being in the lord in joy mhm i mean we i mean i think most of the times we harp on well because the times are evil and it's hard not to be that way but just being joyful in the lord just because he's the lord yeah know that the lord he is god uh it's he who made us and we are his you know enter into yeah. his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise you know Absolutely. come into his presence with singing i love that me too i actually have that on the list i don't know if if you notice that but one of the things um that I have on here is allowing ourselves to feel joy and sorrow. Mm. That's something that I want to dive into because it's that concept of what you're saying where we have a tendency to, to not allow ourselves to feel joy, to not dive into the good things of life. At least I know mm. I'm very guilty of that. And I definitely want to dive into that from a scriptural point of mm. view. Cause I think, I think a lot of the times we live in this weird little lukewarm shallow place in our emotions mm -hmm. because it feels safer and i know a con uh, an idea that i've really enforced on myself is i don't want to deal lightly with evil because i think so many people do when like these horrendous things happen these concepts they know about like like sex trafficking or whatever and in a way they kind of have to block it out and I'm like, I don't ever want to diminish it, though. I don't ever want to handle it as it's anything less than the absolute horror that it mm -hmm. is. But I think I've not really allowed myself to enjoy things as the true enjoyment that they are. Mm -hmm. And I think it's equally important to do both. Mm -hmm. And that's a concept that I really want to dive into because it's something that God has really been convicting me on mm -hmm. and showing me that that's why I'm the way that I am, <laughs> the way that I have been in a lot of ways is really, for some reason, I unintentionally went through this long phase of not allowing myself to enjoy anything hmm. and not allowing myself to take any kind of enjoyment or, or pleasure in anything even. I think in the Christian church, we have a tendency to villainize those sorts of things. At least some of the people in my life certainly do. And even against my own belief, I found I found out that I had been doing that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And the place that it got me to was very unhealthy. And so that's something that God really showed me. Mm -hmm. And strangely enough, I, I got a really beautiful revelation. I suppose it's not strange, but unexpectedly enough, I read Genesis. And the first few chapters of Genesis, when God created the world, they're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful what he created. Like it was so full of joy and pleasure and good. And somehow we act like that's a bad thing. And I found myself that I had been acting like that was a bad thing for a really long time. Like it was a bad thing to care about beauty. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely not reflected in the scripture. So mm -hmm. I really, I really want to dive into that concept yeah. Yeah. from a scriptural point of view. And put that together and then I and then I want to talk about it, but I gotta I gotta dive into it first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so hard because there's way more scriptures on all of these things than we have than we have found in any of the subjects we've yeah. touched upon. There's so much more. And I think that's okay. Uh I definitely 
it, yeah, have a lot of time ahead of yeah. us. And I think it opens up the door for other people too to really just get in there and get their hands dirty because that's the invitation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like the idea of these talks just being an invitation. Yeah. To dive into a subject. Yeah. For people to do their own. Because there's so much more. Mm-hmm. There's more. <laughs> yeah, and it's so individual. That's the wonderful thing about scripture. It's so universal mm-hmm. and it's so individual at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We benefit so much for, like, just to worship God. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to remember that. I need to do it more often. Even when I don't feel like it, I just force myself into it. Exactly. Me too. We thank you for joining us on this episode of From My Cup. We hope that you'll join us next time on any of your local podcast listening stations, Fridays, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We thank you, and God bless you.